Hi, folks. Welcome to the Academic Expedition Podcast. I'm Olivia, and I use she, her pronouns. And I'm Charlotte, and I also use she, her pronouns. We're PhD students who love being outdoors. Uh, Olivia and I have also learned a thing or two about how skills that we originally learned in outdoor education help us be better academics. And we're excited to share that with you in this podcast. So friends, let's introduce ourselves a bit more for our listeners. Cool. So I'm Olivia. I am a PhD student studying transmission dynamics of mosquito-borne viruses. And I've gotten to be a part of a lot of cool things during my time as a graduate student. So outside of research, I help run a program called GOALS, which stands for Girls Outdoor Adventures and Leadership in Science. GOALS is a free summer science program for high school girls and gender expansive youth in the Sacramento area to learn science, leadership, and outdoor skills while backpacking with scientists and doing hands-on research projects. I'm originally from Southern California, and uh, I did some outdoorsy things and traveled quite a bit growing up, but I didn't really get into the outdoors until college. Um, So when I got to college, I made some friends, and a lot of them were super outdoorsy. And I was really lucky that um, our college had a really good outdoor education program. And so I ended up taking a backpacking class and an indoor rock climbing class. And then in the next few years, I started teaching backpacking and wilderness survival classes. Um, And so during these classes and my teaching, um, I started to learn some of the skills that we'll talk about in this podcast um, that have also really helped me in my academic pursuits. Great. Thanks, Olivia. So like I mentioned, my name is Charlotte, and I am also a PhD student at UC Davis. Um, I study how U.S. food assistance policy is shaped by the vendors who provide food to participants. So think food stamps or SNAP as it's known now and WIC. I'm also co-president of my department's graduate student association. Uh, That position and also a fellowship that I'm doing with Olivia right now that we'll talk a little bit more about later, it feels like I'm starting to peek into the leadership structures of academia. Um, And so that's a little bit where the idea for this podcast came from. Uh, I grew up in New York. I got into backpacking and outdoor leadership in high school through a semester program in Leadville, Colorado. In that semester, we had a required ethics of the natural world class, which taught leadership, risk management, and communication in the classroom. And then we applied those principles on wilderness expeditions. So that set me up for some future adventures in outdoor education. So I kind of alluded to it earlier when I said our school. So Charlotte and I actually met during our undergrad. Um, We went to Cornell. And so we met through a program called Cornell Outdoor Education. And so we'll refer to that as COE um, for the rest of this podcast. We'll probably refer to it quite a bit. So Cornell Outdoor Education, COE, same thing. So COE includes classes, community activities, a climbing wall, a ropes course, team and leadership center, and more. Uh, They're also home for a first-year pre-orientation program called Outdoor Odyssey. Um, So COE employs students as well as full and part-time non-student staff, Um, but Outdoor Odyssey is really entirely student-run. They get some advising from the COE staff, but really run by students. So I was a part of COE, as was Charlotte, um, but we'll really rely on Charlotte to talk about Odyssey because I didn't take part in that. So a fun fact is that as we were preparing for this podcast, neither Olivia nor I could remember exactly how we met. So that's just going to remain a mystery. 
Uh, and if you went to undergrad with us and remember introducing us, that'd be great. We'd love to hear from you. So I was pretty much in it to win it with both COE and Odyssey while I was at Cornell. I did an Odyssey trip as an incoming freshman. I took a COE class during my first semester. And then by the end of that first month of school, I had signed up to be an Odyssey guide and a COE instructor. By the end of college, I was an Odyssey guide every year. I mentored other guides. I served in several positions on Odyssey's executive board, as well as being the student representative to the COE advisory board. I taught COE classes pretty much every semester. I worked in COE's outfitting department. And then uh, right before I graduated, I won the Mariah Award for Student Leadership, which is named after COE's founder, Dave Mariah. Uh, Dave pretty much set the tone for COE when he founded it, and he wrote, I would found an oasis of madness in a pompous academic institution that takes itself far too seriously. So that gives you, I think, a little bit of background into where Olivia and I come from, uh, from the outdoor education front. Um, so I was a bit later to COE and a little less involved than Charlotte, but um, I really enjoyed taking and teaching a few classes and really uh, learned a lot. So fast forward a handful of years, and here we are, both of us are graduate students at UC Davis, and we're part of a program called Professors for the Future. So Professors for the Future is a fellowship program run by UC Davis Graduate Studies, and the purpose of the fellowship is to develop leadership skills of graduate students and postdocs who are committed to academic service. So as a part of the program, we take a couple of classes. Um, we take a teaching methods and principles class and a professional ethics class. Um, and we meet regularly for talks with current professors to explore their challenges and insights on being an effective teacher and leader in the academy. And um, as part of the fellowship, we work on a project that benefits other graduate students and postdocs um, with professional development and academic experience. So this podcast is our project for that fellowship. For the project portion, I figured that my niche could be tailoring outdoor leadership lessons for academia. And then when I found out that Olivia would also be in the fellowship, I kind of thought to myself, well, there goes my niche. So it was a huge relief to me, and I was very glad when uh, Olivia and I actually decided to work together on the project. So friend, I'm very glad that we're doing that. Thank you. I'm glad that we're working together too. It makes it a lot more fun. Um, cool, so in this podcast, we're gonna talk a lot about expedition behavior. And uh, you might be asking like, how the heck does this relate to academia? Um, but when we think about academia, we can um, kind of see this journey as a series of expeditions and expedition groups. So I'll walk you through some examples. Um, so every lab group or group working together is really like an expedition group. So they're trying to accomplish a shared goal with their own unique challenges along the way. And if you're an academic, you know, there's lots of challenges. <laughs> um, we can think about expedition groups more broadly too, like a group of students with a teacher, um, outside of academia, we can think of a group of folks trying to complete a section of the Pacific Crest Trail. We can think about goals. So the program I talked to you about earlier, um, we can think about Outdoor Odyssey. Um, so that group of first year undergraduate students uh, with their upper class leaders on a pre-orientation trip. And we can really find these groups everywhere in the outdoors as well as in academia. Um, so if you think like co-authors on a paper or uh, advisors and advisees, study groups, cohorts, 
faculty working groups. We can even think about this as like departments or universities generally. And so for these groups, there's um, stages that really happen for all of them, no matter how different they are. So these groups form, they make norms, they have conflict of some sort, and then they end at some point, either successfully or not. <laughs> so to navigate these stages, it's essential that members of the groups can communicate and give each other feedback effectively. And so that's what we're going to be talking about throughout this podcast. Excellent. That was really awesome, Olivia. Thanks. So let's talk a bit about outdoor education leadership principles broadly. And I think as concepts, folks hear about communication and feedback a lot, and they're emphasized so much because their applications are obvious. I'd say most folks can find a situation in their life where they needed to communicate something a little challenging to another person or to provide feedback that they weren't sure how to give. But for me, what I think is often skipped over when talking about communication and feedback are tools that are more specific that people can apply to those situations. And ironically, that means that the communication about communication isn't that great. So that's what we're trying to address here. And I think why we're leveraging outdoor education is that outdoor ed tends to do things a bit differently and explicitly discuss tools for giving feedback. Uh, I think the reason that that's prioritized is because the consequences for not giving feedback in a wilderness setting can be physical and immediate. You know, for instance, if you tell someone that you're cold or you don't tell them or you tell or don't tell someone that you're feeling too tired to keep traveling or you tell or don't tell someone that you're not comfortable with their safety check on a belay system, those can all have safety consequences that are pretty immediate, right? Avoiding hypothermia, avoiding ataxia or being kind of discoordinated, which can lead to falls um, or a fall on that belay system, uh, respectively. Also, for interpersonal conflict, being on a two-week expedition with someone makes interpersonal communication more important because it's way harder to avoid a person who's annoying you in that kind of situation. So in this episode, we're going to introduce some vocabulary and then tools for giving feedback, and we'll build upon those in future episodes. Yeah, so these same tools that Charlotte's been talking about being important in outdoor education, so communication and feedback, these are principles that are important to succeeding in academia within our quote-unquote expedition groups. So like our labs, our working groups, departments, collaborations. And obviously the consequences of not communicating well can be less physical and immediate than in outdoor settings. Um, but avoiding this communication or not communicating in these situations still has major consequences to the success of the individuals and the group. So some of those reasons that those groups end and fail um, could be because they're not communicating and providing feedback that will lead to the success of those groups. That's probably a solid enough intro to get us started. In the next couple episodes, we're going to be covering some main themes and going in depth with some special guests. So just to give you a heads up of what you can expect, we'll be talking about feedback basics, feedback and conflict, and we'll mostly talk about feedback and conflict with our next guest, who we're very excited about and we'll introduce at the end of this episode, and then feedback and power dynamics. To prepare us for our next episode, where we'll spend most of our time on feedback for conflict situations, let's do a short taster, kind of tasting platter, of feedback basics. 
some vocabulary and also the bare essentials. So basics of feedback. You can give feedback, you can receive feedback, and you can ask for feedback. So I'm going to talk about giving feedback first. Um, and so just full disclosure, I sort of took some of the notes that helped me outline my thinking here from a slide deck from the National Outdoor Leadership School, and we can provide a link to those slides uh, when we put up this podcast. So the SMART acronym gets a lot of use, particularly for goal setting. Um, I think sometimes of feedback as setting a goal for a relationship or the behavior of the receiver of that feedback. And so I'm gonna apply the SMART acronym here too. So SMART stands for specific, measurable, attainable, relevant, and timing. You may have heard a different version of that acronym somewhere else. That's cool, this is the one that works for me. So I'm gonna talk about each of these points one by one. Specific, I think, is pretty self-explanatory. It means that when you give feedback to someone, you don't want to paint too broad of strokes um, on the feedback that you're giving to them. Um, you want to really uh, narrow down the focus of the feedback that you're giving to that person. Uh, I think also helpful when thinking about specificity is that the feedback needs to be measurable. So you need to be able to give examples when you give feedback to someone and the receiver of the feedback needs to be able to measure their progress by how the situations that you've identified change as a result of the feedback. Feedback needs to be attainable, so you don't want to ask your receiver to do something that they can't do. Um, particularly, you want to think about the strengths and weaknesses of the person that you're giving feedback to, if you know them a little bit. Um, and you may want to frame your feedback in a way to make it more attainable um, by leveraging the things that they're good at, their strengths, and trying uh, to either avoid asking them to lean too much on their weaknesses or maybe to develop their weaknesses in a way that's attainable. Um, relevance. So is the feedback relevant? Are you giving the feedback to the right person? Can they control this situation at all? Um, obviously, you know, uh, sometimes you may want to quote unquote give feedback to say like, you know, a service person who you're interacting with, but they can't control the situation that they're in so that it's not really feedback because you're not giving it to someone who can control the situation. So think about, is this the right person to give the feedback to? Uh, and then timing, I think, is really important for feedback. So you want to make sure that it's a good time to have this communication. Is the person ready to hear the feedback? Are they in a space for feedback? Um, it feels a little silly the first time that you do it or the first few times that you do it. But just before you give feedback to someone being like, hey, are you in a space for feedback can really improve the quality of the interaction that comes after that. Yeah, I just want to like point out, I think that's probably the biggest thing that I learned as a part of COE. Um, I remember when I learned like asking people if they're ready for feedback or like, hey, can I give you some feedback on this? Felt so funny. Um, but it's just been like life changing in almost every situation, like with my partner even, you know, like sometimes it's just not the right time or you're not in a good mood um, and you're just not ready for feedback. So I think that that's a really good point and something that's just been like so important to me. Yeah, it's a huge one. And I think, you know, it does a few things, right? It not only makes sure that the person is 
in a space to receive feedback, but it also really like sets a tone that you're not trying to just berate them um, or tell them all the things that are wrong. You're engaging with them productively and considering them in this interaction. Totally. Um, and also like that it can go both ways. Like, hey, do you have any feedback for me? Or like, I'm ready or I'm open for some feedback. Um, yeah. And you can ask for feedback, you know, like being proactive in that and be like, hey, this would be a great time. You know, if you're in a meeting with your advisor and you feel like maybe there are some things that they haven't been telling you, like you're getting the vibe being like, hey, do you have any feedback for me? And opening the door to that so that, you know, they might not have this training and they may not know how to ask you if you're in a space for feedback. So opening the door can uh, get rid of those weird, weird advising vibes sometimes. So uh, I feel like I'm rambling a little bit here, so I'm going to move on. Some other quick points on feedback. I think it's important to own your feed, own your feelings a little bit when you're giving feedback. So acknowledge how your feelings might be influencing what you're saying. Um, and it's totally okay to have feelings. Most people do. Um, you don't want to give feedback on six different issues at once. So limit the information that you're giving. Um, that goes along with avoiding fluff when you're giving feedback, right? Filler, filling in fluff around the comment that you want to make or the feedback that you want to give can help you feel a little bit better because sometimes, uh, you know, Eurocentric or Western society codes uh, direct communication as aggressive, um, but it can misdirect or confuse your receiver. So I I think some people try to add filler to make themselves feel better, but it, it doesn't improve the feedback. Um, where possible, make feedback solution oriented. Um, use I statements. So, um, you know, I feel like you've been uh, ignoring me, or I feel like your feedback on my paper is overly harsh, things like that. Um, and then, you know, just sort of at the end, Uh, when you're giving feedback to someone, check communication. So try to sort of like run through the points that you have already discussed. Um, So check that you're understanding each other. And when either giving or receiving feedback, I think it's important to consider your tone. So try to keep it positive. So some guidelines on receiving feedback. Um, try to listen carefully and also objectively. So the other person's emotional state matters here. And, you know, take uh, receiving feedback as if the person who's giving feedback is not following all the best principles of giving feedback. So you kind of need to do a little bit more work for them if they're not following those best principles. Um, So they may not have uh, sort of owned their feelings or uh, avoided fluff or limited information or maintained a positive tone. So try to consider how their emotional state is affecting the feedback that you're getting. Try to find the little nugget. Um, So again, if they're not limiting information or they're adding fluff, you wanna try to distill down the message of what they're getting and find the, the nugget that you can take away from this interaction. 
let it digest, let it sit for a while, maybe before you first respond. Um, it's totally okay to say, okay, I need some time to think about that. Can we come back to this in whatever amount of time um, that you wanted? And then again, you know, feedback can be take it or leave it. Um, so if you really strongly disagree with what they're saying, even after digesting, you don't have to uh, take into account what that person said. You know, keep in mind that they may come back to you with that feedback again if it seems like you're ignoring it. Um, I just want to add one thing that like just came to my mind right now um, when you were talking about digest. Like I have been a person that takes things so personally my whole life. Um, and digesting is something that's hard for me to do. Um, and I just like physically get defensive and angry and I want to respond and be like, nah. Um, and so that's something, you know, I've totally been working on and something that somebody told me recently that I find super helpful, especially in like, um, you know, academic settings is that like when people are giving you feedback or critiquing, it's often like critiquing your work or giving you feedback on your work. And it's not like an attack on you as a person. Um, so if that can help anybody, that's something that's really helped me. It's like, okay, yeah, um, I, I am not my work and my work can get feedback, which can improve it. And that's not an attack on me as a person. Right. I think that distinction between the work and the person is not made clearly enough in academia and I think uh, a lot of people who come into academia you know who are grad students or postdocs it takes a long time to learn that it is a hard thing to fully process at least for me it has been um, and I'm definitely not there yet um, I also think that in academia something to consider is that like what's the other person's more than even their emotional state, like what are their incentives? Why are they behaving this way? Um, sometimes you're getting feedback, not because they're trying to improve your work, but because there's someone in the room that they want to say something and sound smart. And so I think that's where digest and take it and leave it can really come into play. It's like if it's a seminar and there are power dynamics that have nothing to do with you, uh, happening. <laughs> it happens so often. It's so true. So the last uh, small thing that I'm going to talk about here is just sort of a taster on feedback and conflict, which we'll talk more about next time. But I want to get one acronym out there um, before our conversation next time, which is VOMP, uh, which is just kind of fun to say. VOMPing is the gerund form. Uh, so VOMP is spelled V-O-E little M P. Uh, it stands for Vent, Own, Empathize, and Plan. Uh, and again, you'll see parallels to some of the stuff that we talked about in sort of general feedback here. But especially in conflict, I think it's important to do these two the, or these three steps, the vent, own, empathize. So get vent is like get your feelings off of your chest. Own is to acknowledge your own role in the conflict. In general, conflict is a two-way street, and uh, everyone can change their behavior to help make the situation better, so own your own role. Empathize is try to understand the other person's role in the conflict and why they behaved the way that they did. You know, try to put yourself in their shoes and, and understand what they're doing. Um, and then the last stage, um, which is sort of like being solution-oriented in giving feedback, 
uh, is to make a plan. So how are you going to avoid this situation again? And the plan needs to be feasible for both of the people or the group that's having the conflict. Sweet. Thanks for laying that out, Charlotte. Uh, so clear. And I also feel like I'm like ready to go into a meeting now <laughs> and give some feedback and get some feedback. Um, cool. So that's all for episode one. Uh, if any of y'all have any questions about anything, definitions, acronyms, we'll try to put some of these um, in our little show notes. Um, or if you have any feedback for us, uh, feel free to email us uh, academicexpeditionpodcast at gmail.com. So we'll explore these concepts uh, in our next episodes, and we hope that you'll join us for those. So next episode, we're grateful to have a special guest, Mark Holton. Uh, Mark Holton is the Linzeth co-director of Cornell Outdoor Education, and both Charlotte and I uh, have collaborated and worked with him in the past when we were at COE. And then we'll have another special guest in the episode after that, where we'll talk about power dynamics. Cool. Uh, thank you all for listening. And we hope that we'll see you or uh, we hope that you'll join us for our next episode. Chat soon.